Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bull, Director of Public Affairs. Today we're going to talk with our President, Blake Hurst, about the American Farm Bureau Federation annual convention that was just held in Austin, Texas. There is a lot that happened on the delegate floor there and quite a few things that are going to be of interest to Missouri farmers. Blake, thanks for joining us today. You bet. Good to be here. Well, there were a lot of things that Missouri brought to the table during the resolutions process and then a lot of other things that we were just participating in the discussion. So let's get into the list here. I think the biggest one that was in the news, at least, the largest discussion that we had was regarding dairy policy. That's something we talked a lot about at our annual meeting in in Missouri, and I think there was quite a bit of discussion at AFBS. So what came out of there? Well, we had... uh our president at the American Farm Bureau, Zippy Duvall, had appointed a study group, which spent quite a bit of time. Missouri uh, was a participant in that discussion and uh, had come up with a set of recommendations. Uh, they came back through our state. We approved uh, most of them, not all of them. We had some differences with the uh, study group. Uh, took those to uh, Austin, and uh, after you know an extended discussion on the floor, uh, came up with a new set of dairy policies, which are really a look at um, the existing uh, way that we set prices in dairy, which is very, very complicated. Uh, There's a a group of what they call marketing orders uh, across the nation, different places, different orders for different uh, regions of the nation. And uh, we we attempted to ask for some some reforms to the way that uh, the dairy is priced and dairy farmers are compensated. So it's uh, going to be a long process to see our resolutions uh, actually take effect, but it was good to have a, uh, both a great discussion with the working group and also on the floor of the both our convention and the American Farm Bureau Convention. Yeah, and, and that dairy policy is so complex. Do you think that there's much of a chance of it? Uh, is there an appetite for changing it in Congress, or does that just remain to be seen? Oh, it'll be very difficult uh, to change, um, but it... You know, dairy farmers, we're losing a, a tremendous number of uh, dairy farmers across the U.S., and I think there is a very uh, general consensus that something needs to change, that that our industry is uh, kind of going away, uh, and particularly smaller dairy farmers in states like Missouri and Wisconsin. Uh, so I think there's an appetite for reform, so hopefully we'll get some of our things, uh, some of our, some of our, uh, some of our questions will be, uh, will be, uh, you know, some of the th- resolutions we came up with will uh, take effect. Very good. Well, another th- issue that uh, r- relates to animals that we hope we don't really have to address here in the United States is African swine fever. Uh, what did the, the body decide to do on that? Well, there was, as it turns out, there were several different resolutions, including one we bought brought uh, from Missouri uh, that would increase uh, vigilance uh, particularly at, uh, at at places where people and uh, animals enter the country, uh, an increase in uh, basically we use beagles to uh, uh, to sniff out meat products and, and check them for uh, exposure to African swine fever. So so that really a concern that's on everyone's mind. Uh, it's been devastating to the uh, to the pork industry in China and spread to some other Asian countries. Uh, we've seen it in Central Europe as well. So. Uh, something that's very, very frightening for U.S. pork producers and consumers of bacon. Yeah, well, and this new coronavirus that is affecting humans in China might end up drawing more attention to the need for for more security for all types of diseases. So maybe there's a blessing in in disguise that they're starting to pay more attention because of this. 
but uh, hopefully it's something we won't have to see ever make it across the across the ocean here. That's um, for sure. It, it, they've lost half of their hog herd, or at least as best we know, uh, in China. I've had to destroy half the pigs. Actually, more pigs have been destroyed in China than uh, than we raise here in the U.S. So it is a major, major uh, threat both to the pork industry and, by extension, the soybean industry because those pigs won't be eating soybean meal. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a pretty big deal. Um, well, on that note, are there any other animal health measures that were passed by the uh, resolutions body? Well, we did have a chance to talk about. I think just just um, we're always interested in um, in animal ID. There were a few small changes made into uh, the ability to trace back uh, trace back animals when when these diseases do, do occur. Uh, so again, and then just emphasis on border security as we try to keep uh, try to keep these diseases from moving around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then on the, the uh, later stages of the animal process, uh, the 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 delegates also passed a resolution about the beef markets and looking into um, doing some investigation about what is um, what those markets are tracking and why they fluctuate so much. Um, there was a packing plant fire that caused a lot of people to scratch their heads about how it affected the markets. So uh, what, what was the, the gist of that one? Well, we, uh, we, we had taken a resolution asking for an investigation uh, into what's happening in the beef market. We're seeing some tremendous margins, uh, you know, un, 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 historically almost never seen before uh, margins in the meat packing industry. Uh, there was also a directive, what we call a 700 number, uh, in the American Farm Bureau, which is basically a directive to the board uh, to to direct the staff uh, to do to do an investigation as well. So not only are we asking uh, the federal government to uh, look into what's happening in the beef market, but our economists will be doing the same. So uh, really, something on people's minds, uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, some some pretty good healthy margins, shall we say, in the in the packing industry before the fire, after the fire, they just went off the charts. Yeah. And uh, beef producers are concerned. Well, like they should be. Hopefully we'll get some answers out of that. Um, well, and on the, the issue of animals, but more uh, a different type of thing, it's uh, wild animals now, feral hogs. Uh, we had some resolutions passed on that too. Well, we did, and it's in, in interesting over the years to see the Increasing concern by farmers all across the nation with um, with the, the pressure that uh, that wild animals put on our farming operations. So not only did we take some language on feral hogs, uh, which was adopted by American Farm Bureau, uh, but we also had uh, a resolution on black um, black vultures uh, and, and and a couple of other bird ravens is our problem in the Western U.S. So so this friction between uh, between the domestic animals and livestock and uh, wild animals is just something we're seeing more and more of. Uh, we've been successful over the over the past generations as a society in increasing and protecting uh, protecting wild animals in wild places, and that's a very good thing. Uh, but one of the downsides is that the pressure that it puts on uh, people who are trying to raise sheep and and uh, sheep and uh, cattle. So we're seeing calves lost to the black vultures. And obviously, feral hogs tear up uh, pasture, tear up crops, and uh, also are able to spread disease. So we're uh, very concerned about the feral hog problem. One of the other issues that was brought up was regarding railroad easements. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Well, that's something that's happened here at home in Ashton County, northwest Missouri. But obviously, 
uh, we actually had a couple of resolutions having to do with railroads. One was talking about easements, uh, and, and as railroads are, as flooding seems to be becoming more prevalent, uh, railroads are making changes in their rail beds to uh, protect themselves, protect their property from flooding. Sometimes when they do that, farmers lose uh, the ability to cross the rails, so we've asked for a change in easements uh, so the farmers can maintain uh, the crossings that help them get to the other side uh, of their farm if a, if a railroad bisects their farm. And we're also having problems in Missouri and elsewhere uh, with, with trains just being stopped at crossings and just sitting there and uh, keeping people from getting to town from home or from home from town. Uh, sometimes these, these long uh, units will sit there for three or four hours and block traffic. And uh, so we've asked that um, we, we, we start regulating that a little more closely. And if the railroad's going to have to let a train sit, that they not park it where it uh, impedes traffic or split the train so people can get back and forth to their farms. All right. Well, good to know that they're, we're trying to make some progress on that because that can really throw off, um, throw people's day off entirely and mess with your, your land quite a bit if they make changes to those rail beds. Um, so another issue that we've followed a lot uh, in Missouri that we've done a lot of work on is rural broadband uh, deployment. Uh, what changes did we see in the resolution process there? Well, again, we uh, adopted several um, resolutions just, just asking for expansion of rural broadband, encouraging more funding for rural broadband, uh, talking about, um, you know, just the different ways that we can get uh, broadband out to out to our members, uh, there are several Farm Bureau members who are serving on the FCC study group and, and task force that will be looking into uh, rural broadband, particularly as it, as it uh, interacts with uh, precision farming. So it's an issue that both Farm Bureau in Missouri and uh, Nationwide is working on very hard. Great, great. Uh, the uh, last item from the delegate floor that we um, want to review today is about the market facilitation program, and that's those payments that uh, the administration has been giving out for the last couple of years to try to make up for the deficits caused by some of the, the trade wars that we've been engaged in with some other countries. Uh, what was the result of that discussion? Well, we did have an extended discussion on market facilitation programs, and we had had uh, some language saying uh, that we, not we, but American Farm Bureau had had a tending resolution saying that uh, we understand that they'll go away when trade conditions improve, um, but we kept that language that said we supported uh, market facilitation programs because uh, as as excited as we are about phase one of the Chinese trade deal, uh, we're still not confident that our, our export markets are going to return anytime soon. So we want uh, we want that ability to, to replace those lost dollars uh, with market facilitation payments. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned the deal with China. That's another thing that just happened within the past few days. Uh, what are your thoughts about that uh, agreement? And, you know, is that all it's tracked out to be, or does it just kind of remain to be seen? Well, what's what's in the agreement, uh, what was delineated, what was uh, uh, laid out in the agreement, talking about what uh, China has promised to buy, uh, the increase in farm uh, imports to China, exports to us, in the next two years is exciting. It's uh, it's big numbers. Uh, it'll make a definite impact in our markets uh, if it pans out. Now, those of us that follow the 
the corn and soybean market. We haven't noticed a, a tremendous uh, increase since that. Uh, we've seen some strength in the corn market, of course, but but really the markets are showing a little bit of um, concern about whether these purchases will actually happen. Uh, as we heard from both President Trump and Secretary of Agriculture Purdue uh, at in Austin, and both of them uh, said that they will be uh, holding Chinese uh, feet to the fire, so to speak, that they will be, there are enforcement mechanisms in the agreement, and they'll be tracking Chinese purchases and making sure that they uh, that they do what they said they would do. So that was good news, and we're excited to hear that. Definitely. So uh, th- it could be huge news if it all does come through, but I think there's some uh, healthy skepticism about whether the Chinese will follow through. So hopefully they Yeah, will. we've had a lot of experience with uh, them not always doing exactly what they said they would do. Right. Well, uh, and we also heard some news over the past few days about the USMCA, the the new agreement with Canada and Mexico that was passed out of the Senate literally moments before the Senate went into the impeachment trial. And um, it looks like President Trump is planning to sign the agreement next Wednesday. Um, So that seems like some good news as well. Oh, it's exciting. And what I hear on on the news is that Canada will be uh, moving forward, they have to approve it uh, north of the border as well, but they seem to think that that's going to get done, so uh, this thing could go into effect uh, fairly quickly, and that's good news. Definitely so. And last item of news that we uh, had, there's just been a lot on the table the last few days, is that um, on uh, Thursday we saw the EPA announce a new navigable waters protection rule, and that is uh, the, the follow-up to the the replacement for the old Lotus rule that we had so many problems with. Um, how is this one any better than the old one? Well, I think it's much clearer about what is and what is not covered uh, by the EPA. And as, as people, uh, you know, no doubt know, uh, what what isn't covered by the uh, uh, navigable waters uh, protection rule uh, is regulated by the state. Uh, so the question is where those lines are drawn between federal and state regulation. And I think that uh, this is a much clearer rule. Uh, gives farmers a lot more certainty as they uh, as they farm their land or uh, change change drainage or do all the things you have to do to be a good and uh, responsible farmer. So it's really good news for uh, Missouri agriculture. Well, it's been an exciting week. Just uh, all the stuff going on in Austin and the announcements that we've seen with all those items. So hopefully, we'll continue this momentum. Uh, what, what else happened though, down in the um, in Austin? I know we had a lot of contestants that uh, were involved in some um, events, and some competitions in uh, at the AFBF convention. Um, were you able to see some of those too? Yeah, we did. We uh, we watched uh, Megan Regner, who is our uh, discussion meet uh, contestant, did a great job. And uh, her, she gets a chance, got a chance to participate twice in two different rounds. Did a good job. Uh, we had uh, Andrew and Megan Stein uh, won the Missouri Achievement Award and represented us well in Austin. And then Clint and Sammy Bowen uh, were our Excellence in Agriculture representatives and, again, did a fine job for Missouri. One of the new programs that uh, American Farm Bureau has started in just the past four or five years is an Ag Innovation Challenge. And uh, people who are starting new businesses with an agriculture focus uh, get to uh, enter a contest, and uh, that grand prize winner wins a $30,000 award. Uh, and we named 10 finalists, and we were really excited to find that Kevin and Jamie Johansson uh, with their Ag Butler business 
uh, were one of the ten finalists, so we got a chance to hear their presentation. They did a great job and uh, I think had some several different conversations with uh, different incubators and venture capitalists when they were in uh, in Austin, so I think they took some great steps forward with their new business, so we're excited for them as well. Yeah, there was a lot of really uh, exciting stuff about the future there with all those young farmers that were involved in the different competitions. And also, we ought to mention that uh, Wright County uh, was one of the Counties of Excellence award winners and um, Wright County for the second year out of the past three, I think, was one of the national winners in that competition. And we, I just was looking a second ago, we just posted a video on our Facebook page of Dan Cody, who's the president of uh, Wright County Farm Bureau and a new member to our state board, um, talking about that. So definitely check that out if you if you have an opportunity. Yeah, we're, Wright County does very well in the national contest. They've been there many, many times in the past. They come up with uh, fun and exciting ways to uh, bring agriculture's message to the to the people of Wright County and the area in Southwest Missouri. So uh, they've gotten to be uh, quite quite good at winning winning a trip to the American Farm Bureau uh, annual convention. We're very very proud of what they've accomplished. Definitely, they're a good example for all our, all of our other counties to emulate too. All right, well, appreciate you taking some time to talk us through what happened in Austin. And, uh, sounds like you've still got a lot on your plate. You're going to stay pretty busy for a while. That's right. We'll uh, we'll hope that we'll see a little sunshine. This last week has been uh, it was very nice. It rained a couple of days in Austin, but we had a couple of great days as well. And then we came home to snow and ice in Missouri. I guess that's what you <laughs> should expect in January. Yeah. Well, and next year is San Diego, so we are. Just expecting the perfect weather that they always promise there. So hopefully we'll get that. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great day. Thanks again. You bet. Thank you.